In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what can we learn from unusual journeys into InfoSec? Part one. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what we can learn from unusual journeys into information security. Joining me today to help uh, with this is Stuart Peck, Director of Cybersecurity Strategy for Zero Day Lab and the co-founder of the Many Hats Club. Um, this was a pretty interesting story. Stu started this series back in the beginning of 2018, and right now it's an 18-part series as of the recording of the podcast. He is planning to release more, but uh, they're pretty much 10-minute reads on how people are getting an InfoSec, and I, I really love this idea because I think it highlights that there's multiple ways into the field, and there's no one set way for getting in. Um, and it's really interesting hearing some of these people's stories, so I decided to have them on. But um, feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Uh, I've started a newsletter. It's at the beginning of the show notes. Show notes for this episode can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EIS forward slash 159. You can uh, check out the plugs in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, secjuice.com forward slash tag forward slash unusual dash journeys is where all these stories are at. The many hats dot club, uh, great community. It's it's got thousands of members. It's it's pretty impressive uh, what they got going on there. Of course, Twitter, the many hats club, uh, cyber sec stew on Twitter is is where you can see Stuart, and then uh, zero day lab of course is on Twitter. Um, and again, just go to the show notes. I've got a Discord community, so pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I started by asking Stuart how the idea got started. Me? Oh, God, this is this a whole story. So um, uh, if you look at, uh, there was a Twitter kind of uh, a post, maybe sort of beginning of the year. I think it was uh, my, my weird journey into InfoSec, sort of hashtag that would kind of spe spurred off a whole range of posts. Right. Um, I, I actually started this way, way, way before that. So um, sort of maybe sort of September, October last year. Um, I did a, a couple of podcasts and I was talking about uh, my my unusual journey, uh, which I, which I will cover in a second. Uh, and uh, and it gave me an idea that you know maybe you know I've, I've spoke to I speak to quite a few people, their backgrounds on Twitter and, and the Many Hats Club and uh, and all these kind of great places. And what what it made me kind of realise was that there is um, there isn't really a conventional route into infosec. Everyone's got their own unique journey and unique experience and perspective on things, and that's kind of what makes the the, the industry really good. Um, is that everyone's got their own kind of life skills, their own routes, and and there there isn't really a, a traditional route in because there's so many different disciplines that you you couldn't you can't really conventionalize it in that sense. So I I, I reached out to a few people on Twitter and said, look, I'm thinking about doing. Uh, a series of articles. Um, in fact, I, I, I think I did a tweet or something mm -hmm. uh, in sort of uh, November time. I think loads of people responded to it saying, you know, I had a weird journey and my journey was this, this and this. Uh, and then it kind of uh, kind of kicked off. Um, and so I just kind of in the background started uh, talking to loads of people. Uh, I think uh, four octets was my uh, was my first. Uh, uh, and he kind of then, you know, really kicked off the whole series. Um, 
and and I kind of then had like an overwhelming number of people come back to me <laughs> and say, "Oh, I've got a really interesting story. I'd love to tell my story." And 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 to be honest, I'm, I'm out of you know, I've got, I've got like ten more to to do, but I've I've still got like about forty odd stories I haven't told yet. Um, oh, wow. So. Yeah, it's, just, it's seriously my DMs are just like a like a like a monologue <laughs> of, uh, of of the Twitter history of people getting into InfoSec. It's kind of crazy. So is that where you uh, actually do the interviews? Is in the DMs? Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I kind of had this thing. I, I I decided to do it in DMs because um, I wanted to get it, it to be quite native for people just to go and have a DM conversation and and at the leisure. So so my longest one, um, which still isn't finished, is about seven months old. Uh, and so we're just every like month, there'd be like another question firing back and I'll wait like a couple of weeks and then I'll get like a response. And, and, and it's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's Jack Hyde, by the way. Um, and so eventually we'll finish hers before the end of the year. Um, but she's, she's just super busy. So, um, uh, so yeah, we just, uh, we, we just, it's kind of like a little bit of a joke. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you whenever, uh, in a couple of weeks or something <laughs> when you, when you have like five minutes to write a paragraph. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something I found doing a podcast with InfoSec people is that like I will email people like, yeah, I'll be on. And then like I won't hear from ever again (laughs) just because and I just realized I don't get upset about those. It's just like I realize that people um, are very busy. Uh, In fact, there's been a couple of times where it's like, hey, man, you know, we keep coming around and getting on the podcast. But then it's just like, well, this week isn't good. and This month isn't good. And (laughs) then you check back in and you don't hear anything for, you know, two to three months. So. Um, I think we're all busy, right? Everyone in InfoSec, you know, if you think about, you know, where we spend our time, you know, we're we're busy day jobs and and then it's it's much more than just a day job. People have families and of course then, you know, they have maybe, they give back to community on Twitter or they may do some mentoring or uh, or research or whatever whatever everyone's doing. Uh, And then so when someone says, I want to do a podcast, everyone goes, yeah, we want to do that. Or I want to commit, you know, contribute to this story and, 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 naturally things do kind of fizzle off because you suddenly you know you've got an incident going on or you've got you know you've got a major if you've, you've found a major vulnerability in some kind of uh, platform you, you want to focus your time on, on harvesting that creating a logo whatever you want to do but uh, and and so you know you've got all this kind of stuff going on and it, it just um it, it just goes crazy and, and i have the same problem so i i run a, a podcast on 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 the many hats club right and we've had like i don't know like 32 episodes or something mm-hmm. and, and and that that's like that's crazy you know when i look at it and go how did that happen and actually and again the same challenge that you have is is that it, you get someone on um i think we had one guest it took like nine months to get on right yeah. and 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 you know what but it was worth it you know mm-hmm. it's worth the wait and then other people you like can you do next week I'm like yeah sure brilliant and they're on so it's it's just you know and they're the people you don't expect right you know? so um <laughs> And actually, I have to say, I was looking through um, looking through your previous guests, and actually, I've been uh, actually very impressed with some of the people you've had on. So yeah, it's ama- uh, it's amazing, just like the an email where you're like, I won't ever hear from that, but they're like the first people. Whereas like other people that maybe you haven't heard about that I just I find interesting topics on, I don't ever hear from them. Because um, yeah, I've I've had some pretty pretty big guests on uh, as far as you know being known in the uh, infosec industry. Yes, you had uh, Justin, didn't you, for uh, uh, founder of uh, Hunchley, uh, on, yeah. uh, which, I, which I haven't listened to yet, which I am so going to do after this podcast. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Hunchley. Yeah. And all the work Justin does. Yeah, yeah. The Hunchley stuff is great. Um, 
that's something I want to have a podcast. I actually asked him about automating uh, OSINT. So we're actually going to do another topic in the future. But uh, Hunchy was something that he wanted to talk about. And I was like, I'm all for that. I think Hunch is a great tool. I'm actually finding more use cases for it as far as um, – so I do I do incident response from time to time. And it's phishing, yeah. like phishing emails. And I'm like – there are times where I go and I'm like, oh, well, now I have to go back through the website because I didn't capture any screenshots. So if I just have Hunchly set up, it's taking all the screenshots for me. Um, and then I don't have to worry about like actually capturing that. I can just go grab that that set of screenshots. And, um, you know, because I, I do training after the fact. So I do like training with developers and then I do lunch and learns. And then like this Friday, I have like a town hall. And so uh, I will um, I, I've asked for like 10 minutes in town in the town hall to talk about like phishing emails and some of the later stuff I'm seeing. So, um, but it, I also would recommend the, um, one of the things I'm starting to do is conversations. So, uh, me and Justin sites had a great conversation about infosec for about 20 minutes before we started recording. Um, and he, I asked his permission to actually go back and use that as an actual episode, um, where we're just kind of just riffing, um, more than anything, there's no expectations of recording and things like that. And so that's a, uh, um, that's a podcast I would actually recommend too. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know what? Uh, uh, in terms of Hunchly, uh, Hunchly uh, sort of use cases. So I, I've been using Hunchly for like, I don't know, for like maybe sort of almost two years now, maybe, maybe that long. Uh, and, and, and my license ran out this week, right? So I was doing some motion. I was like, <laughs> oh no, my license has run out. And do you know what? It was like, it's like the world had actually ended, right? So I was just like, now I have to screenshot and I have to document it. And I'm like, I'm like, what what is what is what's happened to the world? When I, you know, because I, I, I love I, I love manual OSINT. Right? That's that's my thing. I like to mm -hmm. automate as much as I can. Right. But for me, it's like I like to uh, look at the images and look at the screens and uh, and kind of look at the information and how you know how what, what can I glean from that information? So I've I've made lots of findings through just looking at images uh, and working out where someone is by kind of mapping that to backgrounds and and kind of looking at rough areas and going okay that's where they were and and, and kind of trying to plan their movement whatever it may be uh, and, and and that kind of stuff really excites me because you can just go through you know actually capture all that stuff and then just go right I'm gonna look at all this stuff again and then suddenly you've got like you know 10 or 20 new kind of search terms to go after or information that you missed or uh, and of course when you're doing that without tools like that when you, you you're kind of used to kind of just just scraping everything and then kind of pulling it back and, and following your kind of natural instinct um, then having to try, try and do that without those kind of tools is, is actually quite difficult and, and <laughs> i kind of realized how much i've used hunchy as a bit of a crutch which is well, uh, you gain an appreciation for it right yeah absolutely oh, no, massively so yeah uh, i recommend it to everyone um it's uh it's, it's a brilliant tool i know this is not the uh hunchly plug plugging uh, podcast but no that's uh, fine it's it's uh, certainly certainly something i'm a big fan of yeah well it gets people to go back and listen to it too right so um so you are the director of cybersecurity strategy at zero day lab what what's uh what does that job entail? <laughs> yeah, I get asked that every time. Uh, so, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mixed bag. So, uh, very much like self, I, I get involved in uh, instant response. Um, so, I, I anytime something goes wrong, uh, my team or myself get dragged in to kind of uh, help fix the problems that have been identified during the incident. Um, so I'll, I'll do a lot of pre-breach kind of stuff uh, with companies, hoping that they won't get breached in the first place. Uh, so lots of training, uh, creation of like instant response plans, policies, procedures, uh, run books, uh, all that kind of great stuff and, and training and scenarios. And, and we actually do some kind of real world scenarios. So not just uh, desktop, 
but also get involved in doing uh, sort of simulated attacks and red teaming, all that kind of stuff. So we may have some of our red teamers come in and do an attack and we'll, we'll kind of run an instant scenario as, as they're doing it so they can see it with real data. So mm -hmm. that's, that's quite nice. That works quite well. Uh, I then also am a social engineer. So uh, that's kind of where I spend probably most of my time. Uh, so I kind of break into buildings or um, do a lot of telephone social engineering. So phishing, getting people to give me their passwords and usernames over the phone, which people go, people don't do that anymore today. And actually, sadly, they still do. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wish they wouldn't, but it keeps me in business. So that's OK. Um, and then, of course, I, I also do uh, a lot of uh, phishing simulation as well. So um, that's, that's a fair part of that, but that's more sort of tailored um sort of spear fishing we uh, have another team that does some of the uh the kind of more sort of uh, sort of wide scale fishing so that then ties into like the open source intelligence piece as well so researching your target uh picking the likely pretext that will work and, and then sort of uh speaking to them over social media with sort of uh sort of puppet accounts and trying to gain their confidence and all that kind of great stuff so um and then of course training i do a lot of training so i've written a few security awareness training programs that i deliver to execs and uh, a whole range of people and of course uh, sort of run workshops so uh, as you can probably tell it's a little bit diverse mm -hmm. uh, and I also run an infosec community as well in, in my spare time that I have so yeah it's um, it, it's it's exciting it's every day is like a new challenge and uh, I absolutely love it and zero day lab is a I guess it's a security company yeah, sorry, I didn't even plug my own bloody firm, did I? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so, uh, so, so Zero Delab are a, a consultancy firm. So we have like offices in, we're a UK based company. Uh, so we have offices in the UK, uh, we have offices in uh, Europe, so in the Netherlands, which is great, Amsterdam actually, uh, which is great to visit there quite a lot. Uh, we have uh, some, we have a location now in the US. We started in the US maybe, I know, uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and we've just hired some, we've been going strength to strength out there. So we're not huge out in the US, but a lot of the customers we deal with in like the UK uh, and Europe have kind of got operations in the US. So they just said, look, can you do what you do over here, over there and, and vice versa? Uh, and that, that kind of works really well. So we've kind of grown uh, uh, quite quickly out there, to be honest. Um, maybe got about sort of nine people out there now. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, when you kind of, uh, break into a new marketplace you never know how it's going to go um, and, and we've been you know, really surprised and, and encouraged by the US market space it's, it's, it's pretty awesome so. so are there like different techniques based on uh, you know Europe versus UK versus uh, USA or do kind of all the same tricks work I, I think I think uh, so if we're talking about sort of pen testing and, and social engineering I, I think they, they do work we, we have local people out there so I, I do go out to the US quite a lot and do lots of work and support the guys out there um, but we've we've hired guys that are pretty well known in in their sort of spheres of industry uh, for pen testing and and social engineering and and sort of GRC governance risk and compliance all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So um, so it's better to hire local talent for because uh, having a load of Brits come over and telling you know everyone <laughs> infosec uh, sometimes goes down really well. Yeah. Uh, so to do the British accent, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, so you know you've, you've got to know what what game to play at the right time uh, ultimately the, the 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 quality of service that the you know um the organizations like us provide um is what, is what customers are buying they're buying expertise ultimately and, and delivery mm -hmm. so as you have the right people who can deliver and have the right level of expertise and and and, a, and, and are experts in their field 
then I think you'll always be successful, no matter what, what business you, you run or what type of industry you're in. Um, it just happens to be InfoSec seems to be, you know, uh, uh, one of those industries where uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's even more important than, say, some other industries. Have you ever had to do an American accent? I, 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 yeah, I had once, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not going to attempt it for fear of <laughs> I was going to ask if you <laughs> <laughs> No, I, 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 tell, I have a really funny story. So I, I did attempt, uh, uh, when I first started out in InfoSec, uh, oh God, how many years? I've been in the industry for a long time, and I'll, I'll go into my background maybe in a bit. Um, but my first social engineering engagement was a telephone phishing of an Irish bank. Okay. Um, they were quite sizable-ish bank. Um and uh, so I was told that you'd have to, you know, the, the person that would do this have to do an Irish accent. And, and so I put on quite possibly the worst Irish accent that anyone has ever done in the history of man. Uh, it was so bad. I was cringing as I was doing it. But for some strange reason, people just completely believed uh, uh, that I was Irish. It was mm -hmm. Northern Ireland accent I put on because I, I just can't do Southern accent, Southern Ireland accent. There is a slight difference. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but it worked and I still managed with my worst ever Irish accent to get like 29 people to give me their usernames and passwords. Uh, and I was just like dumbfounded. Like, is this some kind of joke? Am I, am I the one that's being social engineered here? Uh, because my accent's so bad, this possibly cannot be happening. Uh, and it, and it did. And I was just like, well, that clearly means that it's not the accent. It's the, it's, it's what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of my first foray into, uh, into social engineering, which was, um, I absolutely loved. It was brilliant. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's pivot off that. How did you get into InfoSec? Ah, uh, there we go. That's a, good, that's, a, that's a good question. Okay. So there's, there's this, um, there's this whole kind of weird story. So, um, it's not really weird. It's just, it's just unusual. Um, so it starts off with like uni. So, so most people have some kind of, uh, technical degree when they get into uni or some, something like that, if they, if they've gone the academic route. So, uh, I, I don't. I have a degree in ceramics. That's pottery for everyone else that doesn't know what ceramics <laughs> is. There you go. Yeah. So I, I have lived my entire Twitter life. Every time I mention this on a podcast, that I get sent uh, pottery gifts. Nice. Uh, every, usually ghost. Uh, and in fact, on uh, I think on World Pottery Day, which was which is a thing, apparently. <laughs> There's a I thing. didn't know like, it was a thing. Like today's Pancake Day, by the way. I don't know if you know that. It might be, I don't know if it's national or international, but it's pancake. Yeah, it must, it must be national because we have, uh, in the UK, we have like uh, Shrove's Tuesday, which is like in, usually in February. Um, it's usually before like Lent and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, pancake day, that's awesome, right? <laughs> but but I, I, I love pancakes as well. Uh, but but we had this, um, I didn't know it was World Pottery Day as well until I looked at my, uh, my DMs and my Twitter timeline. And I saw I had like 50 gifts for pottery. And I went, what, what if I said? What if I posted? I looked through Twitter and saw World Pottery Day was trending. And I was just like, all right, okay, good. Yeah, so someone's listened to a podcast about me recently or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I went to uni. Uh, uh, and I did uh, pottery and, and ceramics. And, and it was great. I enjoyed it. Right? And, uh, and before that, I was always quite technical. So I had this kind of dichotomy. Do I, do I go down the uh, sort of, you know, computer science or it was actually IT? As it was an IT degree back then. Uh, and bear in mind that this is back in like 2003, 2002, something like that. Uh, so it was a fair while ago. So uh, and so when I left uni, I was just like, right, well, clearly I'm not going to make, you know, I looked at what my, my peers were doing at the time. I thought, I'm not going to make any money. Uh, I can be a poor artist or I can just go to London and try and make some money. So 
I, I actually ended up falling into uh, recruitment of all things to fall into, which is which is which is a it's either love it or hate it kind of industry. Um, and and I was um, just luckily the first company I joined, there were there were um, they were kind of starting out, and they were they were uh, uh, sort of. Uh, technology recruitment company uh, and they were like you know you you're the first person in uh what industry do you want to choose here's like software or telecoms and here's something called it security um are you, are you interested in any of those and i kind of researched all three and looked at it security and thought you know what? this is actually quite interesting and it, it was quite new at the time so most of the vendors and companies out there were talking about firewalls and antivirus and you know it was it was still quite an emerging industry so it's companies like WatchGuard and McAfee and Kaspersky, all in their kind of early stages and, and some of the bigger companies as well. Um, and so I thought, you know what, this 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 looks pretty good. I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I actually put myself on a couple of technical courses and really kind of threw myself into the industry and, and, and went to every kind of uh, conference and, uh, and show in the UK that I possibly could to just try and understand what was going on. And I learned a hell of a lot from people I was speaking to and interviewing. And, and after about sort of four or five years, I made a fairly good name for myself for being quite knowledgeable and I got headhunted by one of my clients um, to come and join them as a kind of commercial person to start with uh, and then after a period of time they realized that I was you know pretty technical so they gave me like a pre-sales type role mm -hmm. uh, and then from there I kind of fell into um, being much more technical and, and, and doing sort of sort of social engineering and, and, and sort of technical engagements and Pretty much the last sort of eight years have been uh, uh, kind of running a small team of, of people and, and kind of growing into all the kind of creative things I do. So it, it, it was kind of unusual because I, it wasn't like traditional. I just fell into it like most people did back then. Uh, but and then I kind of embraced it and then never really looked back. Uh, and I tried other things on the side as well. I, I set up a software company for a bit and that kind of went quite well and then it kind of crashed and burned after a year and a half or something and realized that I'm, I'm never really going to be inventing any kind of major software as a service provider. Right. Uh, so it was quite good. It was quite a good idea, but um, it just, it just ran out of money. So I thought, you know what, I'll stick to what I, I know and what I'm good at and kind of really threw myself after that fully into the industry. Yeah. No. And, and what I love about that story and I love about all the other ones that I've read is that there's like a motivation for people and it wasn't that they came in out of high school knowing that they wanted to get an ID security. They didn't know, you know, this wasn't something they had been hacking since, you know, they were eight years old, which you hear about these, especially when I first got into the industry, you'd hear about this. It seemed like those stories were relevant and you know, people have been doing this for, for so long. I, I didn't get into IT security until I was like 30. And so the late twenties, early thirties is actually when I realized, Hey, this is a, uh, a uh, pretty neat industry. And then um, my main motivation though, was I had uh, a kid at the time. So I had mouths to feed. And so I love that. Yeah. Like you, you pretty much looked at your, your paths here where you go down the ceramics and you like you said, it, you could probably make a living that, but you're not, you know, you're going to be living uh, at a reasonable rate, maybe even poor, <laughs> depending on, you know, how successful you are or, um, you can go for this tech field that's, you know, kind of starting to grow a little bit more and actually make some money that, that gets you in a better financial situation. And, and that's where I kind of see a lot of these, like even, uh, the one I, I, I just last read, um, was, let's see, um, uh, 
at data data packet with a seven instead of a t oh yeah yeah she's awesome yeah yeah coming from like poverty right and and just just like landed in the infosec field and was more like just doing it to put food on the table like i i love that it's it it's all about motivation and that you know this industry is growing and it's it's there's not a high unemployment rate. It might be tough to get into certain roles, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. And so I, I just love the the unusual journeys into the field. Yeah, do, do you know what though? The, the, there's a couple of stories I, I, I wrote I, and I couldn't publish for, for, for a couple of reasons that unfortunately I can't share. Um, but, but there's been a couple of stories where people have come from being homeless as well. Right. Uh, and there's one story I really wanted to share. It was super inspirational and I was like, Get, you know, it's, you can get stories that kind of give you kind of like, you know, you get emotional when you read them mm-hmm. and you can really feel that they're sharing their, you know, heart and their sleeve and they're putting it into the, into the, into the post that, that, that I'm writing. Um, uh, and, you know, people that have been homeless that have come into this field and, and there's a couple other kind of crazy stuff as well that, that, that have happened. And you're absolutely right. For my, my, my personal motivation uh, uh, when I was younger was, 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 I just need to do something that's, that's not art. Uh, I've been doing art for like so many years and I just want to do something else. And, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's great because, you know, you go out and you explore and you go find yourself. And I just happened to land this, this, this was a potluck at the time. I, I'm, and, uh, I just chose the right field. It just happened to, you know, the fate pointed me in the right direction, whatever you want to call it. And, and I've never looked back and, right. and I, I, I feel kind of privileged that I'm in, I'm in this position now. Um, God knows where I've been if I've t- chosen telecoms, right? God knows, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so you, know, you, just, you just kind of think, yeah, I, I, I feel lucky and privileged to be where I am. And, 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 and I think there are so many people now that, that are also lucky and privileged because they have all this information. You know, have, they have a whole history of, of, of attacks and they have resources. Look at all the resources that are out there now. I mean, when I first started, there was none of these resources. You had to go to IRC or you had to go to forums or you had to, you know, speak to people about this stuff, right? And learn from people. Now, I mean, like, you know, you can just watch videos, you can you can do anything. Right. And and so there's there's almost there's almost the other way around, there's almost too much information now. Um and the field is so broad. So if you're just coming in, you're like, well, where do I start? This question I get asked all the time is where should I start? And I was like, well what interests you? You know, what, what are the, you know, are you, are you more, are you more interested in sort of net sec in terms of network security? Are you more into offensive security? Are you into, you know, app sec or, or penetrate application testing or what, what is it you really interest? Where, where do you find yourself? Where do you affiliate yourself with your skill sets you have right now? And, and then explore those areas. Cause if you look at, you know, penetration testing, you go, well, actually you could just go into network penetration testing or, or you can go into, you know, you can go into the application security side and do app, you know, app testing and web apps and mo, and then you can do mobile apps, or then you can do reverse engineering, or you can, you know, all these kind of subfields that spring up and all these kind of areas that open up, and and actually, all of a sudden, even in that one particular sphere, there you've got like you know so much to learn, um, and I think the problem that people have is they come into industry and they want to learn everything, and actually they do themselves an injustice by doing that because you can't learn everything, you have to start somewhere. And you have to pick up those skill sets and then expand once you have a good solid foundation in that area and then go, you know what, I love the application side, but I'm going to start looking at maybe cloud security. Maybe I'm going to start looking much more at uh, doing some reverse engineering and, and, and start looking at some of the courses that exist out there. Or maybe I'm going to start reverse engineering malware or, or whatever it may be. So all of a sudden, you, you, it kind of opens up and, and that, that's the kind of thing that I think that as an industry we don't do enough of. We don't kind of say, look. 
don't don't be overwhelmed just pick an area if you're good at it great embrace that and that will open up other opportunities naturally don't try and be everything to everyone because that's not how it works right and even if you're like you pick the wrong thing like it you can p always pivot to somewhere else <laughs>